Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 83 of the Lawyerist Podcast, where we talk about what we learned from our inaugural TBD Law event in St. Louis last week, where we brought together 60 of the most forward-thinking solo and small firm lawyers from around the world to talk about the future of law practice. Today's podcast is sponsored by Ruby Receptionists. Ruby answers our phones so we don't have to worry about getting interrupted when we are being productive, and we think that's awesome. Visit callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Abacus Private Cloud. Future-proof your law firm by going virtual. Learn more at abacuslaw.com. So Aaron, on the same basic subject as what we were talking about with TBD Law, the ABA released its formal report on the future of legal services in the United States just recently. And there are some interesting takeaways here. It highlighted a lot of the problems that we all sort of know are part of the legal profession and put them out in a shiny report, which hopefully brings it to the attention of people who might not have realized it. You know, last week we talked about the Minnesota results of the solo and small firm, and you and I were both a little bit surprised that lawyers didn't realize how bad the law school thing was. So I think getting a report like this out there probably does help people in the profession who aren't as plugged in as you know, probably most lawyerist readers and and we are to kind of what's going on. And so it highlighted things like the access to justice gap, the fact that people don't obtain lawyers because they can't afford them or because they don't know enough about it, that lawyers are underemployed or unemployed, that different organizations are experimenting with technology to try and figure out better ways to deliver services. But there's a lot of resistance to that, that there's a ton of bias, that court systems need money and that unbundling might be a good idea. So it rolled all these things up into a report, and it was a strong report, although it's not clear what happens next other than the forming of some more committees to discuss these things further. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's nice is lawyers don't actually have to wait for the ABA to form these new task forces to keep discussing these things, because we were actually moving a bunch of them forward at our event in St. Louis, we had solutions, or at least partial solutions, for a number of these problems that came out of discussions at TBD. And so I, I think action is definitely better than more committee work. And I'm excited that there was overlap in a bunch of the topics. Yeah, I guess it's the the ABA is not going to itself deliver the legal services that it thinks might need to be happening. So maybe forming new committees is what it does. And those that discussion is great, but everyday lawyers just have to do it. And uh, I think in St. Louis, we met with about 60 lawyers who are just trying to do it. And it was really fun and inspiring to talk with everyone about how they're just experimenting and trying to figure out ways to get their prices down to do more for less. And and hit most of the same topics. I mean, we didn't talk about court systems, but I suppose that's a possible topic if we invite judges. <laughs> right. But of the 60 lawyers there, I have heard from a number of them since the event just a few days ago who are now going to add in more document automation or unbundling of their services or trying to use some different leverage of technology to solve needs for clients they wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach to actually address some of the problems in this report 
and just a few days of follow-up work. Well, yeah, and and maybe we should kind of dive into talking about what happened there and, and what our takeaways are because one of the takeaways was somebody created a uh, an interview tool for the for DACA, which is, I guess, the immigration flowchart where it's really complicated to figure out if you can uh, come into the country legally under the DREAM Act or you, if you can get a get your green card or become a naturalized citizen under the DREAM Act. And they just sat down and, and figured out a tool so that people can figure that out quickly on, on any lawyer's website, which was pretty amazing. And it was just one of the amazing things that came out of the whole thing is, hey, there are some problems that are low-hanging fruit that we can just take care of right now. Yeah, so the whole event was a little bit experimental. Uh, Those of you who've been following along in the couple of previous podcast episodes where we talked about this would know that we were trying something kind of new. And we did a, a number of different things in the format that I thought were a little bit high risk. One of them was um, we ended the first night with a multi-hour hackathon with the idea that small groups of attendees tried to solve a problem in just a few hours. And it blew my mind. We had people actually coding working software in that time. We had brand new business models that were kind of fully fleshed out. We had full pitch videos in just those few hours. It was pretty amazing. It was, I think both of us, all of us going into it were kind of unsure whether or not this was going to be kind of cheesy and lame or what, but like the lawyers knocked it out of the park. And and keep in mind, like these are lawyers, right? These We had a couple people there with coding experience, but the topics they came up with and the pitches that came out of it. And yeah, it's not, like you said, some of the products like this like this uh, Q&A wizard for figuring out if you're a citizen or Carolyn Elephant's team put together a pitch video for their idea for uh, a new kind of co-working space for lawyers. And well, your team was kind of super over the moon excited. And it sounds like you are already on the process to making your idea happen. Um, and we did a post wrapping this all up. But like, I think if you look at that and then compare it to like some of the law school hackathons and and legal hacker hackathons, you, you've got to be impressed by what a room full of lawyers were able to come up with. Because I think in some ways, it's even more exciting and some more innovative stuff than what you typically see. Yeah, I mean, and that's comparing it to hackathons, let alone comparing it to, say, a different solo and small firm lawyer event mm-hmm. where there might be good things learned or relationships built, but they're aren't likely tangible outcomes. Um, yeah. And I, it was a high-risk move. I thought it could have been really hokey and cheesy, and it wasn't even a little bit. No, and I, I mean, y- your group is not the only one that came out of there thinking like, this is a really good idea. Maybe we should just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it wouldn't surprise me if over the next year or b- between now and the time we get those people back to TVD Law, they might have something totally new to show us that isn't theoretical anymore, which was pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, Another one of my takeaways is that people, lawyers, probably don't spend enough time talking about law practice and the business of law with other lawyers. It it turned out that just getting lawyers together and and prompting them and discussing with them uh, their law practices, where their pain points, what their challenges are, just got it's it started ideas started exploding everywhere and people were trading ideas and i think it was really important though that we picked a group of lawyers who are already trying to innovate or are innovative and are trying to to anticipate the future of law practice because it got all of the remedial stuff out of the way and it got some of the objections 
out of the way so that people could actually just engage with ideas. Yeah, I mean, that was another one of my big takeaways was not only was this hackathon experimental, the whole concept was we had no speakers or presenters or topics going in. We just had a format. And the format was that we brought together smart, forward-thinking lawyers who were starting from a point of already wanting to talk about the future and just get them together to talk with each other. And that was the format. And we had some kind of different breakout sessions and topics. But other than that, it was mostly just an opportunity for people to talk to each other in a structured way. And you don't get that at many other events. You usually get one expert telling you what they want you to hear. And here it was more collaborative than that. And I think the invite-only nature of it meant that there weren't remedial discussions going on. Everyone was starting from a point of, of wanting to improve things rather than just wanting to catch up. Yeah. And I thought that was really exciting. I mean, there, there, were, like, there were a couple of people in the room who hadn't gone paperless yet, but nobody needed to stop and persuade them that it was a good idea to do that. We could just move forward and, and progress. And, you know, I know some people may criticize like, oh, you just wanted an echo chamber or a safe space for people to talk about stuff that they think is good and you wanted to silence the critics. And I, I don't think that's right. Uh, maybe it felt like a safe space because it gets a little tiring to be in groups of people where everybody's just a naysayer. And uh, we, you get to make a lot more progress and flesh out the ideas and see what they look like. And, and then we can knock them down if they're no good at that point. But let's see what they look like first. And uh, so I thought that was awesome. Like lawyers should get together with other lawyers and just talk about business in a candid way. And, you know, I guess maybe my experience is helpful here where when I would get together with other lawyers locally, one-on-one -on -one or in small groups, I, I don't know, the same sort of thing didn't emerge. And I'm not exactly sure why. Um, but sometimes we were able to get to the point where we're actually talking candidly about what works and what doesn't and what law practice looks like for us and what kind of money we're making. And But I think maybe bringing people across the country so you're not really with your competitors helps or maybe just changing the environment and sending them to a museum uh, where they get to climb around in tubes for an hour shakes their mind loose and gets them thinking. I don't know, but something about that worked so well. I mean, I, I think it is all of those things and the fact that this wasn't just people sitting in the hallway chatting. Yeah. We, ha we had prompts and structure to make sure that people were getting to the core of the issues that would move things forward and not sitting around gossiping or something. Yep. One of the things we sort of said that we were going to do is determine what the future of law practice is going to look like. And maybe we didn't really do that. And maybe that was uh, unrealistic. But I think what we did do is we, we started bringing together the lawyers who are going to figure that out. And the conference is actually, you know, there, there, there was the conference, but we're keeping it going in a chat group in, in Slack where we're in touch daily and we will stay in touch daily with the people who've been to this. And the, as the ideas progress and as people hold each other accountable and as we move these experiments forward and people pursue their goals and improve their practices, we're going to be staying in touch and we're going to be building on that. And I, I'm pretty sure that these are the lawyers who are going to be out front and we're going to try and find more lawyers who are also likely to be out front and bring them to TBD law in the future. Well, and to be clear, I don't view the future of law practice as one static point with one set of clear solutions. Oh, of course not. It is clear to me, though, that these 60 people and whoever comes next will be 
people who are relevant and leading whatever the future looks like, and that some of the ways they will do that will be tools they got from this event. You just made a super point, which is like, everybody's like, what is the future of law practice? What's the answer? And as as a profession that answers every question with it depends, I'm surprised that that sometimes seems like the attitude. And you're right, like each one of these lawyers, each practice has its own future. And instead of waiting around for people to tell them what it was, this group of lawyers is just going to go out and figure out what it is going to be for them and do it. Yep. And on that point, because the event was an experiment, we didn't know what would come next, but it turns out it was hella successful. <laughs> and so we we decided we didn't want to wait around. So the next event will be in six months in February. It will also be an invite-only event where we hope to bring back a number of people who were there this year, but also continue to bring in new voices and perspectives to the table. So those of you listening to the podcast have an opportunity to apply for an invitation, and we will uh, have more details about that soon. And in fact, by the time this podcast launches, I'm guessing we'll have the day. So check the front page of Lawyerist for the last TBD law post, and I bet you'll be able to get the day, and then you can clear your calendar. So for fun, while we were there... We asked some of our attendees to tell us one thing that will be different about the practice of law in 10 years and one thing that will be the same. And so here are 10 of those responses uh, just to get a feel for what the general attitude was about the future of law practice. First, here's Damien Real. One way that it'll be different would be that we as a, a lawyer species will be able to take uh, the practice of law and be able to automate it in a way that makes sense for our practice. And what, what automation means for each particular practice, of course, will vary depending on the practice. But I think that we'll be able to systematize the law in a way that makes sense for that particular practice. One way it'll stay the same is that, of course, there's always going to be an emphasis on customer service. We're always going to be uh, taking that individual scenario, whether it's on the transactional side or the litigation side, and be able to say, uh, I care about you. I want to solve your problems and I'm going to do it in this way that happens to be more efficient than the way I did it 10 years ago. Here's Jamie Whitney. In 10 years, I think the practice of law is still going to be about helping people through some of the worst days of their lives and some of the best days of their lives. And I think pretty much everything else is going to look different. Here's Chad Burton. So the way it'll be different is we will see larger networks of solo and small firms than we do today. The way it's going to be the same is we're still going to be talking about why the practice of law is broken and we need to fix it. Here's Andrea Henning. Um, I think one thing that will be the same, there will still be a lot of people who need high quality legal services who can't quite afford them. And one thing that will be different is I'm hoping that law will be more accessible, like be outside investment, maybe franchised in some way or um, brought more to the people. Here's Jason Morris. One thing that will be different about the practice of law in 10 years is um, this kind of assumption that we have that where you are is important. Um, the, the idea of a downtown office, the idea of an office at all, the idea that you and your client need to be in the same place at the same time, the idea that you and your client and the judge and the other party ever need to be in the same room at the same time, all of that is going to slowly disappear. What's never going to change about the practice of law is that it's full of people who really sincerely feel like they have an opportunity to make other people's lives better and want to use it to achieve that purpose. Here's Kristen Lamont. I think one thing that'll be different is that we will be mostly mobile. I don't think we'll be in offices. 
Um, and I think the thing that's going to be the same is the people. I think most of what we do is really about relationship building and solving problems through relationships, and I think that'll always stay the same. Here's Jim Worthington. Well, I'll start with what I think will be the same is helping clients with their problems and the personal reaction. I had a client that I was on the phone with both Friday night and Saturday morning helping handle an estate and they were having uh, a fight with a longtime family friend because promises supposedly had been made and then all of a sudden the family wasn't going to honor those promises, at least that was the perspective. And I don't think that's going to change. But I think what will be different, and, and I'm just thinking from my own perspective as an estate planner, is the front end of that work. In that how we, how many times we meet with a client to produce documents for them to sign, how much consultation there is with them going into it. And it concerns me because I was only able to help this client because I had spent so much time with them on the front end. If everything is compressed and commoditized and made cheaper, it's going to be harder to have that relationship to help them later on. Here's Brad Pierce. Number one, more computer involvement, not so much us typing, but actual computer intake, processing, creating documents for our clients. Number two, one thing that'll be the same, hierarchies, particularly profit-driven hierarchies at the big law firms. Here's Joe Baggett. Well, I think one thing that's going to be the same about the law in 10 years or the practice of law is that we're still going to be doing it. I, I don't believe in the um, all the um, the hype about how ro robots are going to replace lawyers. And uh, I mean, I'm sure that I think it'd be great if uh, there were, you know, apps, robots, whatever, that could help us do our jobs and take away some of the stuff that we do so that we don't have to build clients for it. That would be great. But they're not going to, we're not going to have robots with judgment. 2001, A Space Odyssey. Just go watch that and that's, that's all you need. And here's Randall Ryder. One thing that'll be different in 10 years is that nobody will ever go to trial. That's my proclamation. And one thing that will be the same is that everybody will be forced to settle every single case. This podcast is supported by Ruby Receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted. So when the phone rings, it annoys me, and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone, which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com slash lawyerist to sign up, and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. Did you know that law firms are the seventh highest target for cyber criminals? Breaches in security could cost you your clients, your reputation, and ultimately your firm. Protect your firm from cyber attacks with Abacus Private Cloud, the compliance-ready, fully managed desktop-as-a-service engineered to safeguard your firm against cyber threats. 
Abacus Private Cloud is brought to you by Abacus Data Systems, a leading provider of business technology products and solutions, including Abacus Law, simplifying your practice management since 1983. Learn more at abacusprivatecloud.com slash lawyerist. Make sure you catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast. Subscribe to The Lawyerist Podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. You can listen to it at lawyerist.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to The Lawyerist Insider, our weekly newsletter. Just go to lawyerist.com and look down the sidebar or click on newsletter up at the top. We'll remind you where to find the podcast whenever we release a new episode. Thanks for listening. Oh,